Well, good morning, and may I give you a very warm welcome to Brighton Road Baptist Church and to our service today. Whether you're with us here in the building or whether you're joining us online, we're thrilled you're able to be with us and we thank you for joining us to be part of our service this morning. This is a special day and we are delighted that our service this morning includes the baptism of Beth Richardson, one of our young people. Beth, we welcome you this morning. We're excited to be sharing this service with you and we pray this will be a truly special day in your Christian journey as you take this step of faith. It's a real joy to welcome Beth's extended family, some of whom have been part of this church in the past and it's great to see some much-loved friends back visiting us for this service. And I know we've got people here who are with us for the first time and we extend a very warm welcome to you too. And we hope you'll feel relaxed and at home amongst us as we share in this service. So if you're not sure what this is all about or what's going to happen, then please don't worry. Uh, we'll guide you and we'll explain how things will work as we move through the service. So with that in mind, I hope you'll bear with me just for a moment while I outline a little bit of what's going to happen this morning and signpost a few areas of the church for those that are unfamiliar with the building. So firstly, we invite everyone who's here today to join us for coffee and refreshments. They're served after the service, and that's through in the hall towards the, towards the rear of the building. That's to your left, straight towards the back of the building. All children and young people are welcome to remain with us in the service until after Beth's baptism. Once Beth has been baptized, then our Brighton Road Baptist Kids Club takes place up in the sports hall. Uh, that's again upstairs and towards the back of the building. And any children of primary school age or younger are welcome to join for that. If you head out at the appointed time, then our leaders and our young people will guide you up to the sports hall if you're visiting here and not normally part of our church family. We do also have a crash facility, which is off the, uh, off the main hall at the back of the building. Uh, again, for anybody who's unfamiliar and needs some guidance, if you head out that way, one of our team will meet you and make sure you get to the right place. And so now to worship. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, whatever our background, our circumstances, everyone is welcome in this building today. And we pray that God will bless you as we join together in worship and as we receive from him his love, his care, and his guidance for our lives. We often begin our services with a thing that we describe as a call to worship. It's usually a short passage from the Bible that describes something of the nature of God, perhaps includes words of assurance or instruction that help us focus our hearts and minds on why we're here. And this morning I've taken our call to worship from Psalm 95, the first seven verses, which reads, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. So come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. What an amazing description of the majesty and power of God, the rock of our salvation. And so we respond in worship as we sing our opening song, which describes the immeasurable depths of his love for us. The song is called, And Can It Be? I invite you to stand if you're able, or please feel free to remain seated if you prefer. But let's worship God together.
please be seated. Let's open our service in prayer. Let's pray together. Loving God, creator of all, we thank you for this, your day, and for the privilege of joining together in worship. We thank you for this unique opportunity that brings each of us to this church today as we celebrate Beth's baptism. And we especially pray for your blessing on her as she takes this step of faith in declaring her love for you and her commitment to follow you in her life. We gather today in your presence as a diverse community with journeys both shared and unique. Some of us know well your embrace, while others come seeking understanding, drawn by invitation or curiosity or the whisper of your name. We thank you for your relentless love that shines on all of us without bias or boundary. You weave yourself into the fabric of our lives, offering unwavering hope, even amidst the chaos of the world. Today, we pause from the anxieties and uncertainties that swirl around us, seeking comfort and strength in your presence. We acknowledge the struggles that burden our hearts, fear, doubt, concerns for health or relationships or finances, and the pain witnessed in the world around us. We thank you, Lord, that in these moments your light cuts through, reminding us that we are not alone. You walk beside us, offering strength when we falter, grace when we stumble, and hope when we despair. As we gather to celebrate this baptism, may we be mindful of the wider community beyond these walls. May our hearts remain open to their stories, their joys, and their sorrows. And may this time of worship deepen our faith and inspire us to carry your love outward, becoming instruments of compassion and hope in our world. Open our ears to your word, Lord. Open our hearts to your love and fill us with the strength and grace to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, your Son. Amen. So in a short while, Beth will be baptised, and for those who are maybe a little more unfamiliar with church life, there may be some questions running through your mind, such as, what's this all about? Why is there a huge hole in the floor filled with water? Is the water warm? Well, Beth certainly hopes so. And in its most basic form, I guess this essentially boils down to, we're going to dunk Beth. That's the bottom line. But don't worry, we're not going to drown her. Tim, our minister, has done this a few times before. But she's going to get very wet. But let me try and answer just a few basic questions, which hopefully maybe explains a little bit about what this is really about. And I guess the first question is, well, what is baptism? Now, baptism is one of two special ways, we, we call them sacraments, in which Jesus instructed Christians to declare our faith in him. The other is communion, where we take bread and wine together. And in its most simple form, baptism is an outward act, being fully immersed in water, which demonstrates a very clear personal attitude and decision. Namely, I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. And that, fundamentally, is what Beth is doing this morning. Now here at Bright Road, baptism is encouraged for anyone who has come to faith as an important step on that person's journey. And we believe in baptism by immersion because it follows Jesus' personal example. So that's what it is. So maybe the next question is, well, why should I get baptized? Well, I guess the first reason is because Jesus was baptized. He didn't need baptism for himself because he was the son of God. But he was baptized as an act of obedience to his Father's will and to show solidarity with us, humankind. And so we are called to follow that example. And again, that's what Beth is doing this morning. The second reason is because Jesus commanded it. His last instructions to his disciples were unmistakable. And in Matthew 28, we read, Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we demonstrate our love for Jesus in obeying his command and publicly 
declaring our faith in him. The third reason was because the early Christian church practiced it. In the book of Acts, there are many examples that show when people become Christians, they were baptized. And so we as a church follow that example of our predecessors when we come to faith. And you get to witness that this morning. So we're going to immerse Beth in water. But what does baptism actually mean? Well, I'd like to paint four very simple pictures that I hope maybe answer that question. Firstly, baptism is a picture of cleansing. It graphically illustrates that through the death of Jesus Christ, our sins can be forgiven and our whole lives can be cleansed. The act of immersion in water signifies the cleansing of our past and the beginning of a new spiritual journey. It represents leaving the old ways behind and embracing a new identity in Christ. Secondly, it's a picture of burying. In the same way that Jesus died and rose again, so being baptized, buried under the water, shows how we want to die to our old sinful ways and come alive in new ways in the life of Christ. Thirdly, it's a picture of empowerment. Just as the baptism of Jesus was a moment of empowering his future ministry, so baptism signifies God's desire to fill us with his spirit and empower us to live for him. And the act of rising from the water signifies being raised to new life in Jesus, receiving the strength and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And it represents being empowered to live a life according to God's will. And finally, baptism is a picture of belonging. Through our baptism, we demonstrate our need to belong to God's family, the church. And to put that truth into practice, we normally invite those being baptized to become church members here. So there's a sense of belonging and of being loved and supported and encouraged on your journey as part of the church family. So this then is the complete picture of baptism, if you like. A picture of cleansing from sin. Of burial of our old life. Of empowerment by God's spirit for our future life. And belonging to God's family. So I guess the natural follow-on from this is, well, when should I get baptised? <coughs> Baptism in the New Testament is always a sign of new beginning, a sign of new life. So it's good for it to come in the early stages of our Christian journey, but there are those who come to faith later in life when they're naturally baptised later in life, and that's perfectly fine too. It then becomes a marker of what's gone before and as well as a renewal of commitment for the future. So for those who may have been thinking about this for some time and wondering if you should take this step, then my question to you as you watch Beth make this commitment is very simple. This could be just, there we go, let's try it. This could be just another one day in your life. Or it could be a whole new day one. So if not now, then when? So if this is something you'd like to explore a bit more, Tim or Michael, or any of our church leaders here will be happy to have a chat with you after the service. So don't leave without at least having a simple conversation about it. Now shortly we're going to be asking Beth to come and share something of her personal perspective on baptism and why she's chosen to take this step of faith today. But before we do that, we're going to sing again. And the song is called The Joy of the Lord is My Strength. It's a fairly new song for our congregation here. And we've also got some visitors who might not know it. So our worship group are going to sing the first two verses in the chorus, and then we'll all stand together and join with them from the start.
come and talk to us and tell us a little bit about why you're doing this today. Uh, hello. Most of you already know me as I've been attending this church since just a few days old. I have grown knowing the ins and outs of this place, which is especially helpful when playing hide and seek. I remember dancing around in Sunday school with Jackie, waving palm leaves after having devoured one of her famous cheesy biscuits. I've been a part of Image, numerous nativities, and have loved every bit. I've been taught so much about living the life with God from those who surround me and have made it clear being role models, and I cannot be more grateful for my church family. This church was my granddad's pride and joy. Even though he's not with us anymore and I never had the was never fortunate enough to meet him, his presence in this building has given me strength over the years. As a, ch as a child, my first experience of God's love was through the support and adoration of my, that my Christian family has shown me. Whether this is through my aunties and cousins sharing Bible verses with me or my steadfast mum who has always shared her faith. For several years, my family have been attending Big Church Day Out, which is a Christian festival with about 30,000 people who come together and worship. It has continuously felt like an anchor in my faith. Whether I feel I've drifted away from God, it reminds me I'm never far and he is always there. I specifically remember one year, the band called Rain Collective were leading worship and they gave the opportunity for everyone who hadn't already and wanted to, to commit their life to God. I felt that everything suddenly was clear. It didn't seem complicated anymore. It felt like in that moment it was the easiest possible decision to ever make. Right there and then, my life was his. One of my biggest passions in life is nature. Being I love being surrounded by it, taking photos of it and drawing it. It's God's beautiful creation and I've been lucky enough to witness it throughout, through my life thanks to my dad and Annie for taking me places around the world which many people only dream of. It is when I'm looking over the Serengeti in awe over God's design or I'm in the comfort of my own home looking through my telescope at the night sky. Even though the simplest things have the immense amount of complexity. My love for God's creation has driven me to want to pursue a career in it. I always felt like I was on the fence about whether or not to fully commit my life to God. I thought I needed to know everything about everything and know the Bible from cover to cover. I now realise that, as most of us know, this is not the case. What I do know is that God wants a relationship with me. He wants me to fully devote my life to him. And he wants me to share my faith with those who haven't come to know it yet. So that is what I am doing. Thank you. Beth, bless you. It's a huge privilege to be part of this service with you, and uh, I know that uh, your aunts Lynette, Gwyn, and Ellie are going to come and pray for you now uh, before you're baptised. Welcome, ladies. As if we weren't emotional enough. Thank you, Beth. <laughs> <coughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are honoured to be able to pray publicly for Beth this morning. We pray for her often and give thanks to you for her. We recognise that Beth shares an inheritance that belongs to God's people and those who have gone before her. We thank God for Beth's parents, Marion, Gareth and Annie. Beth, you have been blessed with a family with personal faith in Christ, praying grandparents, siblings, aunties, uncles and cousins. You have also been blessed with a community of supporting believers at Brighton Road who over the years with devotion, commitment and time have encouraged you to gain spiritual wisdom and understanding. We have seen the production of good fruit in your life as you have grown to learn to know God better and better. Heavenly Father, the great creator of this world and everything that he has created in it, he created you and knew you before you were even born. We thank and praise God for the timing of your birth and the joy and hope you brought to our family in a time of sorrow and mourning. Beth, as you profess today your commitment and faith to Christ, 
whose death and resurrection has brought you into his presence as holy and blameless. Continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Father God, we're delighted to lift Bethy to you, who's so dear in all of our hearts. We thank you for her firm faith in the saving love and forgiveness of Jesus. As she prepares for exams and looks towards her future, we pray that she would have comfort and assurance in your loving care over her life. May she have confidence to work hard in all she does, working for the Lord and serving him, not others. May she feel security in knowing that you have plans for her and you're with her in all she does. Strengthen her heart and her mind with your power and energy. May her sense of identity not be in grades or achievements, but in belonging to Jesus and the gospel hope that's stored up for her in heaven. We ask that this brings her deep and overflowing joy and peace. And may she be a witness to all those around her as she finds strength and endurance in you. Thank you for the encouragement she is to us all and her love of nature. <laughs> Father God, we pray for our darling Beth as she faces challenges that will lay before her. We pray that she continues to follow you always and that she remains rooted in you, her life built on you and her faith strengthened by you. May she overflow with thankfulness. We pray for protection over her and her life. We ask that she will always depend on Christ and not worldly ways. For only through Christ are we complete. We thank you for this beautiful young lady and for her gift of creativity. May she continue to use her gift to bring joy to those around her. May you guide her always and may she never lose sight. We thank you that Beth has been raised to new life with Christ. May she be renewed as she learns her, to know her creator and to become like him. Father, prepare her well for all you have planned. We can't wait to watch her shine. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Beth, we've chosen these verses for you from Psalm 119, verses 30 to 31. I have chosen to be obedient. I have paid attention to your judgments. I followed your instructions, Lord. Don't let me be put to shame. That expresses the decision you've made today and your trust in God for the future. Beth's cousin Matthew and I are going to baptise her now. We'll ask you some questions. Uh, when Beth comes up out of the water, the worship group are going to start playing and singing the chorus of our next song, This Is Amazing Grace. And once they've sung the chorus, we invite you all to stand and join in at verse 1. Okay, come with me. Beth, let me ask you four questions. Firstly, do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Do you turn from sin, renounce evil, and intend to follow Christ? And will you live within the fellowship of the church, and will you serve Jesus Christ within the world? Then come and be baptised. So Beth, on your profession of repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and at your own request, we baptise you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
As the children leave us, we'll turn to our reading for this morning. The passage which Tim is going to be speaking on a little bit later is found in Mark's Gospel, and it's the first, first, first 15 verses uh, of that passage. So Mark chapter 1, which reads, In the beginning, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to meet him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a belt, a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, 
proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And we'll leave the passage there. You know, when we join together for worship, we're always mindful of the world around us. And so Brian is going to come and lead our prayers for the world. Now I lead you in prayer. Lord, we come firstly to praise you, for you are the source and sustainer of everything that exists, including ourselves. And in your nature, every noble and good quality has its origin. We come to thank you that you made us to live in fellowship with you, to be like you, and to live in creative harmony with each other in the beautiful environment you have provided for us. You gave us freedom of choice and we became part of a society that abused that choice and like the prodigal shunned your friendship, abuses your provision for us and attempts to be gods ourselves, scorning the qualities of love and creativity you intended for us. We thank you that you offer us redemption in Jesus and the opportunity to be part of your kingdom and many of us have chosen that way. And we rejoice with Beth that she too has chosen that way of life. And we, we await with longing the consummation of your kingdom and the restoration of your creation. Meanwhile, you bid us to advance the coming of your kingdom with prayer and acts of love. Much of the evil abounding in the world is too big for us. And we can only plead with you to intervene and to stop the destructive machinations at force in Palestine, Israel, Ukraine, Russia, and in so many other places. Father, we pray that you will raise up leaders with a vision of your purposes and the will to shun the populist way and seek the ways of your kingdom. Father, give us discernment to see and choose the better way and to love you and our neighbours as ourselves, whatever the cost. We believe you have put us in this fellowship and other groups in society so that we may be salt and light for them, sharing with them and caring for, your, for our family, friends, colleagues and neighbours, bringing your grace to them. Lord, forgive us where we have failed and renew our will to be the heart and hands of Jesus for your creation. These things we ask in the name of Jesus, our Saviour, and Lord, that all the glory may be yours alone. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Before Tim comes to speak to us on that passage in Mark, let's stand to sing again a song that affirms Jesus as our saviour and the cornerstone of our lives. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. The song is called You Unravel Me with a Melody. Let's stand together.
Jesus was baptised, heaven was, was torn open. The Holy Spirit descended upon him in the shape of a dove, and a voice from heaven declared, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. We may not have seen anything quite that dramatic here this morning. But Beth, as you got baptised, there is a sense in which what was true of Jesus then is true for you today. God gives you his Holy Spirit and says to you, Beth, you are my own dear daughter. I'm delighted with you. There is something special and amazing about knowing that you are a child of God. And the song we've just sung captures something of that. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. There is a security in knowing that God loves you with the steadfast love of a father for his child. Not everyone has a happy experience of the relationship with their father. I remember as a small child being quite scared of my dad because he had a short fuse and was quite unpredictable. But when I became a Christian and I discovered what it meant for me to be a child of God, it was like the penny dropped. Oh, so that's what dads are supposed to be like. It's a relationship not based on fear, but on unconditional love. And it's a relationship which all of us as fathers should aspire to be in terms of the way in which we relate to our children. It's the Holy Spirit who creates that kind of relationship between God as our Father and us as his children. Just as Jesus heard God saying, you are my beloved Son, when the Holy Spirit comes down and enters our lives, the Holy Spirit pours out God's love into our hearts. So we no longer see God as some distant, unknown figure, but we can put our trust in him as our Father. Being close enough to him to be able to relate to him as our dad. 
And he's fine with us calling him that. That's the relationship Jesus had with his father. That's the relationship with his father that he extends to us. And actually it's the kind of relationship he wants with us all. If it's the Holy Spirit who gives us that inner assurance and confidence of God's steadfast love towards us as his children. It's Jesus who introduces God to us on those terms. Who invites us to share in his relationship with God as Father. He is the one who baptises us with the Holy Spirit. He is the one who breaks down and removes the barrier between us and God. The fact that God wants that kind of relationship with you is good news. And Jesus invites us to believe that good news. To accept that this offer of a relationship with God is valid for me. It's valid for you. Yes, even you. It's yours for the asking. And asking is an expression of faith, of trust. We ask because we believe, we hope, we even expect that we will receive what we ask for. Otherwise, why bother asking? So simply say, Lord, give me that relationship with you. Enable me to see you as my heavenly Father who loves me from the depths of his being. That itself is an expression of faith and trust. It's a relationship which changes you, of course. Because we're all shaped and moulded by our relationships. It's part of the way in which God wired us. And you enter into this relationship on God's terms, not yours, because he's God after all. And that's why when Jesus talked about the good news and asked people to believe it, he told them that the kingdom of God had come near to them. And believing the good news entails welcoming God's kingdom into your heart, signing up for his rule over your life, inviting him to take charge of who you are, how you live, your future, your destiny, and his purpose for you is eternal life. And that's good news for everyone, especially to anyone whose life might be a bit of a mess. And of course, if life goes a bit pear-shaped, it isn't always honest, easy to be honest with ourselves about how things really are, to admit that things have gone wrong or that we've made mistakes, Yet that's what all those people did who queued up to get baptised by John in the River Jordan. Mark tells us that they confessed their sins as they did so. And I wonder what that involved. I can't think it involved standing in a long line, uh, itemising to John everything that they'd done wrong so that God could cross that particular sin off his list. That's not what confession is about or how it works. It's about owning responsibility. Where there are things on our conscience, it's about fessing up and saying, yeah, I did that. And it was my fault. I'm not going to try and excuse it or justify my behaviour or blame anybody else or say I was just a victim of circumstance, I couldn't help it. It's about being big enough and grown up enough, grown up enough to say, it was my bad. And I'm sorry. I'm not going to try and shift or evade the blame. And it's that kind of confession which owns up to what we've done that then opens the door to forgiveness. It's very hard to forgive someone who's always justifying themselves or trying to find excuses or blame somebody else. But if we say, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. It's that that opens up the door to forgiveness because we've owned that there is something that needs to be forgiven. Friends, if you want forgiveness, if you want to be set free from any skeletons lurking in your cupboard, the best thing to do is open the door, look them in the face, acknowledge that they belong to you, and let, then let God take them away and deal with them for you. Because that's how the liberating work of forgiveness happens. We face the past, we acknowledge it, God deals with it, and he releases us from it. Because Jesus died to set us free from everything that lurks in our past. 
And we, we shouldn't make the mistake of thinking that when the Bible talks about repentance, that means feeling really awful about what you've done or, or, or saying sorry or, or putting yourself through some kind of penitential right to, to make up for it. You cannot atone for what you've done in the sight of God. Only God can atone for your sin, and he's done that for you by giving his son Jesus Christ to die for you, to take all of your sin away from you. But when Jesus told people to repent and believe the good news, he wasn't trying to send them on some kind of guilt trip. Nor was he saying, if you come to God, you need to sort your life out first to make sure that you are pristine and good enough. These things, deal, these things in your life need dealing with before God will have anything to do with you. No, that is not what repentance is about. Repentance is about switching the points in your life and changing direction. And if deep down you know that you've been heading away from God, then repentance is turning around and facing God. And when you do that, you find that actually he isn't miles and miles away. He's right there for you, with a heart full of love, ready to forgive, ready to come into your life, ready to clear out all the rubbish, to reboot your life with the Holy Spirit as your brand new operating system. It's not about making up for what you've done, it's turning to God and letting him deal with it and find his acceptance of you as his beloved child. And when you do that, we would say, because we're a Baptist church, that's the time to get baptised. When you have put your faith in Christ and you've turned round to God and you've asked for that kind of relationship with him. Baptism represents, as Ken said, washing away the past, being buried to who we have been, a new relationship with God, a sign of commitment. Baptism puts up a sign that says to people, my life is under new management now. That doesn't mean, Beth, you're going to be perfect from this day forward. Far from it. But God is working on you, as he's working on all of us, actually, to make, a, make us better people. He knows who we are. He knows what he has in mind. And he's going to take his time about the changes he wants to bring about. Because he's patient and loving and careful. But when you take a step of faith and you put your life in God's hands, that means your life belongs to him now. And there's something liberating about that. I want you to hear this. It means that your life is not governed by other people's expectations about who you are or how you should live. God is the one who is in charge now. And he's the one who will guide and direct your life and shape and mould your character after his image because you are a child of God. You've heard Beth's story. You've seen her get baptised. I guess the question is, for the rest of us, what's next for you? What is God asking you to do in response to what you've seen and heard this morning? Jesus, after he'd been baptised, went out saying, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. And that's true for us as well. The kingdom of God has come near. The time has come for decision, for opportunity, for response. What is the next step for you in your walk with God? Is God calling you to change the direction of your life? To switch the points? To repent, to turn round and face him? Do you know you've been headed the wrong way? Is it time to put a stop to that and ask him to make you a different person? Are there things in your past you need to own up to, take responsibility for, bring out into the open so that they can be forgiven and you can be released from whatever hold they might have on you to live a life of the future which isn't held back by things that have happened in the past? Is it about inviting God to take charge of who you are and how you live? handing the reins of your life over to him, moving over so that he can sit in the driving seat and you go where he wants you to go? Is it simply about believing that God's love for you is unconditional? 
He knows you inside out. He loves you to bits. Just wants to put his arms around you and say that you are his beloved child and that he delights in you. Beth has expressed all those things this morning in getting baptised. Is one of them right for you? Maybe baptism is the right next step for you. Or Ken mentioned church membership, making a fresh commitment to God and his people and his mission in the world. Maybe you're not sure, but you know you need to do something. In which case we've got a prayer team here who'll be very happy to talk and pray with you after the service. But let's take a moment to process what we've seen and heard. And can I invite you just to sit quietly and pray? Might be a new experience for some of you, but it won't do any harm. God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? And then another prayer, God, help me do it. God, please give me the strength and the courage and the will to do it. And if you've prayed a prayer that is significant and you're not quite sure still what that means or you just want to talk through with someone what God might have said and what your response is, please have a word with me or the prayer team or a Christian whom you know and trust before you leave this place today. Because if God has spoken, if God has spoken to you, it's because he wants to do something significant in you and for you. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near today. Repent and believe the good news. We're going to close with the last of the songs that Beth has chosen for this morning. Be thou my vision. And can I invite you to stand and we'll sing this.
keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.